everybody to the show. Fuse from the turnstile. There's only one round left of footy, but the final uh, spots in the top eight are still undecided. I'm Hamish, and I'm joined by my esteemed co-hosts, Finn and Hayden. Uh, Hayden, how are you feeling, especially uh, supporting one of those teams whose finals hopes are still alive? <laughs> I didn't think we'd be saying that this week, um, especially <laughs> after the performance we put in. But um, no, I'm excited to see what the last of 2020 has. It's come around pretty quick, so I'm expecting a tight finish. How are you, Finn? Yeah, I'm good, boys. I'm uh, looking forward to a pretty uh, tight finish to the season and uh, seeing how the final eight ends up. Well, the first game we're going to kick off with, uh, I think we had to for Hayden, is Melbourne's big win on Saturday night. Uh, we all tipped against Melbourne, which of course meant they won as is tradition, but it was a thrilling game. Uh, not only was it close, but it was high scoring. Hayden, you must have been pretty pleased with the efforts of your Ds, especially with a few players standing up under the heat. Yeah, well, I mean, I went in with pretty low expectations, as I'm sure we all did. Um, I don't like how you added that about me tipping against them last week, but of course it was a <laughs> it was a, a strategy to uh, get us over the line. But um, I, like I did say before, I didn't expect... Um, I would have liked to have seen GWS to lose to Adelaide before I tipped because that would have definitely gave me some confidence maybe to tip the other way. But um, we did have some pretty good young guns that game with uh, Cozzy Pickett and Trent Rivers. Um, what was your perspective on the game from an outsider view? Well, I was actually watching it at a bar, which probably wasn't the best <laughs> place to do <laughs> analytical, especially explaining the game Aussie rules to a friend who doesn't follow it. But I guess what stood out to me was it just really felt like, apart from those young players you mentioned, the stars really came to play. I thought Stephen May was massive once again, kind of similar what he did to the Saints a couple of weeks ago. And Guys like Gorn had a field day in the ruck and Oliver and Petrarca just shined through the midfield. Uh, Finn, what did you make of the game? And especially we talked about it in the lead up, but Stephen Canelio being dropped, it was a pretty uh, shocking decision and it didn't pay dividends in the end for the Giants. Yeah, no, I don't think it did. I mean, you saw some of the Giants were okay. I think you saw Green in there had a really good game, a real first big game for him. But I think you mentioned how good Oliver and Gorn were in the midfield there. I think... Along with Petrarca, they all combined for 21 clearances, which is a pretty big day out for them. Um, so they pretty much dominated the whole the whole day in that midfield. It was a pretty big highlights package, I thought. I think Brent Daniels probably has goal of the year with... I, I don't even know how he got that ball in. Just that, added <laughs> on a string, I think. And uh, there was a bit of Toby Green getting his own medicine there with a knee to the head. And uh, I mean, it would have been... Maybe if it was a foot, that would have been a bit more his his style but um then there was Melksham's enormous throw and Rivers goal to win so yeah I mean it was a pretty exciting game I, I thought from an outsider's perspective too from you know to watch it yeah it definitely was and uh, I reckon the spin uh Brett Daniels got on that ball would make it even Shane Warne jealous of being <laughs> able to get that at the Gabba but I guess what do you think of where the Giants go now they of course have a must win game against the Saints this week which we'll cover later but Really, with Leon Cameron putting his captain under the gun, uh, using that logic, you'd think that guys like Jeremy Cameron and Tim Tarano, obviously star players like Canelio, have been down on form. Do you reckon under that logic that they're now in danger of losing their spot, Hayden? Yeah, well, Finlayson's under the pump too. He's another one of those guys. And it, it, he definitely was putting out a statement and taking out Caniglia, which I wholeheartedly do not agree with. Like, I think that was... Whether he would have made the difference that game, I think he's definitely in their top 22. It just doesn't make any sense to me to pull out someone that just signed a seven-year deal. Um, 
but yeah, I do think they would be under the pump, like you say. They're trying to sort of find some form again. Yeah, I reckon you're right. And he kind of backed up uh, that kind of ethos in his post-match press conference, kind of alluding to the fact that uh, there'd be a few more opportunities this week for players. So be interesting to see what happens, uh, Finn, because uh, Melbourne and GWS, they're still in the finals race. They do need to have some other results go their way apart from winning. But do you reckon either of these teams will make the finals and be able to jump uh, the Western Bulldogs and Saints? Yeah, it'd be interesting, I think. The D's are probably a good chance. I think they've got Essendon this week, and I think that's a very winnable game for them. Of course, you have to rely on the Doggies and the Saints game as well, and the Giants do have the Saints. So I think, yeah, definitely going to come down to that final day. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Before we move on, do you guys think that Cameron Ling's been hitting the books? I think his sort of specialist commentary is actually, actually doing his job. And Dermot, Dermot Brereton should start taking notes. But, like, I th- it was interesting, you know? Normally I, normally I despise listening to him, but, no, it was good this week. Uh, well, I probably can't comment too much on commentary kind of <laughs> practices since I was dropped after doing two games of the TSL. So maybe I need to follow some of his logic. But uh, speaking of Cameron Lynn's Cats, uh, they played against Richmond in a Friday night blockbuster uh, many thought it would be the grand final preview, and to the Tigers' credit, they were terrific. They found a way to stifle and suffocate Geelong. Their defence was really big. Uh, it's a bit of a slow-moving game for what was built up as a kind of heavyweight fight, but Finn, what were your takeaways from this game? Do you reckon Richmond are now the clear premiership favourite heading into the finals? Yeah, I think they probably should be favourite, the way they were able to play against the Cats. I think they were really happy just to slow the game down and make it a scrap, and they probably could have won by a bit more had they kicked straight. But yeah, their, their guns were able to fire. Like Lynch was quite quiet, but Rewalt stands up, and Bolter was really impressive on Hawkins, and he was able to build some real momentum from down back and I think they've got a lot of contributors across the field and that's really going to suit them going into the finals. Yeah I think controlling Hawkins was pretty pivotal in that game and I think Bolter did an exceptional job from such a young player um, because Geelong seemed to they they kind of let Richmond have a free man in defense and so often he was playing being played like two on one with Vlosten or Grimes stepping in and uh, sorry Grimes was like exceptional as well so um, and I think, you know, Bolter stood up, you know, immensely. And it was funny how the commentators, uh, I forget who it was, they started, they talked up Hawkins when he got his first win against Bolter after he had a previous few contests, you know, losing. And um, I did like how Daisy Pierce stepped in and gave him a bit of credit, um, noting how he, that was only his first contest he won. Yeah, well, you'd think if you're a third-year player tallying up the Coleman medal, you should get a bit of credit. But I know it's something to be expected from uh, Richmond games, but I still found the clearance numbers uh, surprising. 32-16 clearances and 10-2 centre clearances in Geelong's favour. We know to expect that the Tigers, they're happy to lose the clearance battle. They back themselves in to get the ball elsewhere, but just really sets them up nicely uh, for the finals, knowing that they don't necessarily need to dominate in the middle to still uh, beat a really good team like Geelong. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> building on that too, like building with their players, the um, it sort of created the, the Soldo conundrum with his injury um, because now they were probably looking to trade Nankovis at the end of 2020 and whether that sort of puts a spanner in the works, whether they want to try and keep him or 
you know, train someone else to replace him or obtain, you know, Peter Latham from Port, who's out of contract and can play up forward. What do you guys think about that one? Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think neither of those Ruckman, Nankervis or Soldo are really big, dominant Ruckman. They're good around the ground and they can hit the scoreboard, but you see the way they played on the weekend with the clearance numbers and in the middle they didn't dominate. And I don't think Soldo or Nankervis are ever going to really service that midfield to to the best in the comp. So I think they could probably could go after a different Ruckman, but whether they're just happy to stick with what they've got and maybe draft another one, it's yet to be seen. I definitely reckon uh, Marby or Chol will get the call up. Uh, We've seen that he can play Ruck and he can also do a role up forward, but I thought it was interesting that uh, Dylan Grimes noted on radio that Calman Coleman-Jones, like that could have been his spot, especially with... Lynch also out with the hamstring uh, from the sounds of things just for the last round of the season. But, you know, he was suspended and he probably wouldn't have expected to come into Richmond's side. But if he hadn't had that indiscretion, he could have possibly been playing in a premiership this year. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm sure that, um, yeah, he wouldn't like to be reminded of that. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's happy to hear his teammates say that on radio. But... <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, injuries to premiership contenders, the Eagles, uh, they're the walking wounded at the moment, but they were still able to get the job done against the Saints. Uh, I have to give credit to them. It was a mighty performance. Uh, they were missing a lot of stars. And when the Saints started to get going at the start of the last, you thought just the condensed uh, block of games they'd had and the injuries were finally taking their toll. But they found a way to get back in front and win. And it was probably on the back of their remaining star and A-grade players in Kelly, Natanui and Gaff, they all had big games. Uh, Hayden, what did you make of this performance from the Eagles and what do you think it says about the Saints just uh, not kind of having the star power to go with the Eagles in the last few uh, minutes of that game? Yeah, well, I backed the Saints and you guys went with the West Coast and I was pretty happy with oh, just like how they were going. They just shot themselves in the foot with inaccuracy and they held that major dominance in the third quarter and all they had to show for it was four behinds and then it was basically at the start of the fourth quarter where they got those quick three goals but I think West Coast were extremely lucky to hang in with that one um, and St Kilda has shown that they've got the form that as long as they just kick straight that was their only issue I thought. Yeah probably they're just inaccuracy in front of goal I think King four behinds and Zach Jones three behinds hurt them as well. And like they had the more disposals and inside fifties, but um, yeah, I think it was just the class of West Coast. Nick Natanui keeps showing how important he is, and if he stays fit, and they get a few of those midfield players back in, then I think they're definitely still a chance for the premiership. Well, you made the joke during the week that uh, Natanui would probably have to rove the ball to himself with all the injuries, and he had nine clearances, so he basically <laughs> did that. But I thought one thing that was interesting from the Saints was uh, leaving Jake Carlisle out of the side. Of, clearly a bit out of favour, but with the tall forward line of uh, Darling, Kennedy and Allen, it definitely seemed to uh, be a difference maker, uh, kind of St Kilda a bit short down there. Uh, what did you think of that move, uh, Finn? Yeah, it was definitely an interesting one because we have talked about how in, like how good that Eagles forward line is. And you mentioned those three big tools, Kennedy, Allen and Darling, and I think Waterman can also roll down there as well. So... It's definitely a real tall forward line, and the Saints don't have a lot of tall defenders. It only would have been really maybe Dougal Howard and uh, would have been many other down there. So leaving Carlisle out was definitely an interesting call. Uh, Hayden, we touched on it early, and I probably know the answer you personally want to give uh, for the D's sake, but 
do you reckon they're in danger of missing the finals now? Uh, they need to win to guarantee their spot, though I'm pretty sure they can still get in even if they lose. But what have you made of their form recently? They looked like a lock a month ago, but have just kind of fallen away a bit recently. Yeah, look, I think that St Kilda's probably still building a bit of cohesion with their side. Um, they've sort of been praised for their pre-season drafting and pulling all those trades and doing really well. And I think they're only just sort of properly utilising um, players and especially like Brad Brad Hill, who's got such a major influence on him, but he, his disposal rate was really, um, really low this season. So I think it's just they're not um, sort of just used to playing as a team for long enough. I think maybe next season it'll sort of come together a bit more. But um, in terms of like A-grade players compared to West Coast, who are sort of have like a star started lineup, um, I think that... You know that St Kilda probably have a more more well-rounded team as as opposed to that, but yeah, it is interesting to see how it played out. Well, thank you for all your thoughts on uh, the games uh, so far from last round. We're going to take a quick break and look at some of the other games from last round and how they shape the finals uh, heading into the final round of the season. Phillips up the ground now, couldn't take the mark. Hartlett rode his way through the tackle. Shot it to Cutler and sends it back in the direction of Charlie again! What about that? Welcome back to the show, everyone. You just heard some audio of Charlie Dixon's uh, incredible one-handed grab against Essendon on the weekend. The Bombers actually started the game pretty well. They let it quarter time, but after that, it was a massacre. Uh, Essendon only kicked two more goals for the game, while Port Adelaide secured a 50-point win and locked in a spot in the top two. Uh, Finn, what did you make of Essendon's performance? We did think this game could get ugly, but there seems to be a lot of negativity surrounding the Bombers at the moment, especially with some of John Worsfold's comments post-match. Yeah, I think the last month for the Bombers has been pretty tough. I think it's the third game in a row they haven't managed to score over 45 points. And I think, yeah, Worsfold's comments probably don't help. I think he mentioned that they're just not up to scratch with the rest of the comp and he was seeming to blame injuries and inexperience for the way they've played this year which is strange, and you look at Matthew Lloyd's comments regarding that he says the fact the, the club doesn't the club lacks direction, So um, and that's from a club great as well, so that doesn't help. But, um, yeah, they were beaten in the middle, Wines, Boak and Rockliffe. Um, so, yeah, it's almost just a training session for Port Adelaide out there. But, um, Eddie's comments regarding John Worsfold were pretty funny, where he said... He reckons he's just left the greatest bomb of all time with one game to go. <laughs> so, um, but like, in in their defence, they've had a lot of injuries throughout the year, losing many of their top players in Stringer and Heppel and Fantasia and Zaharakis and um, Danaher's only just returned. So like, I think you have to be a bit sympathetic towards them because of that. But yeah, I don't know <laughs> what else to say about that one. I do feel quite sorry for Bombers fans, so we poke fun at them, but just some of the comments from John Worsfold have felt really weird. Like, at the start of the season, he said, like, they were well in the premiership hunt. Uh, three weeks ago, after their loss to Hawthorne, he said, uh, you know, they were going to be a really good team uh, really soon, but after their respective losses to Geelong and Port Adelaide, he said they're still three years off kind of the top teams in <laughs> Geelong and have a lot of work to do, so... Just a lot of conflicting comments and it's made kind of even more complicated by the fact that he is kind of leaving after this game so everybody knows he's gone and even just kind of his comments talking about Essendon people and how, you know, you can't expect the big clubs always be at the top. Like, 
that's not the issue. It's the fact that, you know, since 2004, they've just kind of been a middling, mediocre team. So I guess uh, before we sign off on this segment, then uh, what do you think of the Bombers' chances going forward? Obviously, a new coach coming in, but some questions surrounding some senior players with guys like Saad and Danaher out of contract. Yeah, I think there's been quite a few transfer and contract rumours regarding those two especially and whether they stick with the club or look elsewhere for 2021. And with the new coach coming in, I think it's probably just a chance for them to probably not rebuild because they do have quite a, um, a good group of young players in there, but probably just to reassess where they're at and um, go again potentially with a new game plan or new structures. And, yeah, I think yeah, good chance for them to just reset and go again for Essendon. It will be interesting to see if they can make the finals next year, but... One team uh, who's in the top eight this season is Collingwood. They locked up their spot yesterday. They were challenged by the Suns, but they found a way to win. Uh, probably the main headlines out of the game were Degoe Trelaw making a big impact on return and Mason Cox probably having his best game for the year, or really, for two seasons. Uh, Hayden, what did you make of this matchup? It wasn't an easy victory by any means, but Collingwood did look like a better team with some of their star players back in the lineup. Yeah, well, big Mason Cox. I've never doubted him, and I think it's <laughs> and I think it's worth mentioning when I, when uh, when I told you earlier in the year before Melbourne played Collingwood, I had a nightmare that Mason Cox was playing, and I <laughs> he didn't even play that game, but I just <laughs> I still remember having this nightmare, and I told you about, it, and you laughed at me, for thinking that he could cause such a nightmare, and then here he is. I swear he's he's sort of found his way back. Back in the form, um, yeah, not proud to say that I had a, a nightmare relating to football, but here we are. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, you would have liked the return of Trelaw too. I think he was pretty pivotal and crucial with his connection, moving the ball forward in that midfield group. Uh, yeah, I definitely did, and it just adds another element to the midfield. Uh, takes pressure off uh, Adams and Pendlebury. Even Jordan Degoe, he kicked five goals last game, uh, came in and kicked four today and probably could have kicked a couple more if he hadn't missed some and handed them off. Uh, just always amazed by the fitness of AFL players. Like, I miss a week of the gym to do assignments and I'm as red as the sun while they can just come back in and have best on ground performances. But I guess Fina, bringing you in and getting another uh, unbiased perspective, do you reckon Collingwood can do any damage uh, this final series? Uh, of course, getting some star players back, but the prospect of having to head over to the Stadium to play the Eagles in week one uh, is a pretty daunting prospect. Yeah, definitely getting those key players back, and you saw how much uh, of an impact Agoe and Trelaw had, and you got big Mason Cox crashing packs and kicking goals up forward. Uh, I think it's, pro- it's a daunting prospect playing them. Going over to Perth, I think, would be would be a pretty hard task but if they win this weekend I don't think they have to so I think if they make it into the finals they're definitely a team that could do some damage is West Coast playing at home does that rely on them making the top four no top five if they finish fifth they get a home elimination final yeah, that's. I mean, at least the uh, the crowd size is down, so that at least works in your favour. It's still going to be uh, thirty thousand eagle uh, diehards. <laughs> it's not, not looking forward to if it happens. But another team that's kind of gained some form uh, heading into the finals is the Western Bulldogs. Uh, you know, I thought you were season alarm, the dog whisperer. You were the only person who knew what the Bulldogs <laughs> would do week to week, but uh, they put together a pretty impressive first half to take care of your Hawks. I thought. Caleb Daniel was uh, particularly sensational. Uh, 
What do you do you make of this game thing? Were you glad that Hawthorne were kind of able to kind of stem the bleeding after half time? Yeah, I think the fact I'm uh, tipping the Hawks, I think that pretty much ran out of legs within five minutes into the first quarter. <laughs> I think the doggies, doggies ran away with it pretty quickly. But I think yeah, after at around half time, it did look like it could get ugly, but. Hawks were able to peg it back a little bit, but still a pretty disappointing performance from them. But in terms of the doggies, I think it's just what they need, a good game coming in towards finals and try and cement their spot in there. I think, where are they now? They're just sitting on eighth now, so they're going to have to win this weekend to hold their spot. But I think, uh, yeah, especially with Daniel across half-back and the midfield all firing, it's a, they're a good-looking team. Yeah, puts the um, the doggies in an interesting position because now they've got to beat Fremantle, and I think Fremantle have been pretty um, underrated this season, flying under the radar, just being pretty solid and keeping teams accountable. So whether the dogs are sort of in a similar position to when they were in 2016 when they won the premiership, they're probably not on the same level of form, wouldn't you say, Hamish? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. It kind of feels like every team in the bottom of the top eight is saying, oh, they can be the Bulldogs of uh, 2016. <laughs> uh, Collingwood have been compared to the Melbourne have. Uh, even the Bulldogs of 2020 have been compared to the Bulldogs of 2016. But <laughs> I definitely reckon they're a dangerous prospect. I'm still not sure how much I trust their form line, though. And uh, Toby McLean going down with an ACL is a big blow. But just to wrap up this segment, thin up. Hawks clearly in a rebuilding stage, but the announcements made during the week that Burgoyne will be staying for final season while Stratton and Piopolo are handing up the boots. As a Hawks fan, what did you make of these announcements, especially with a couple free-time premiership champions uh, leaving the club? Yeah, I think two players in Piopolo and Stratton who've had um, really big impacts at the club over their time and they've had good careers there. And I think Stratton being a captain and both of them winning premierships. I think it was probably their time to move on, though. I'm pretty happy with Piopolo moving on. He's probably just taking up a space spot in that forward line, so that's handy. And I think Burgoyne signing on is probably not a bad idea either because this year he's been actually quite a handy player, even as he is getting older. I think uh, still very handy, and I think he'll be good next year, especially if they're playing a lot of youth. He'll be able to be one of those senior heads which um, he can rely on. Yeah, I'm very happy to see that he might be able to hit the 400-game mark, but turning to a team who looked like they were final chances, Carlton, uh, after that win against Gold Coast, a lot of people jumped on their bandwagon, but they've only won one of their last four games, which was them just getting over the line against Sydney. Yeah, I think it's probably an issue with maybe a lack of maturity. Um, I, I think as a Carlton supporter, you'd be pretty happy with how they went um, this year, can, considering their previous years. I think they are definitely looking in much better form. Um, it is still something they have to work on, that huge point deficit that they seem to keep giving up. But I don't think you could sort of um, you know, discredit them for how they've played this year. I think the way they started the year and can, compared to the way they've finished it would be a bit disappointing, but there's definitely signs there. And I think with Teague at the head of the club, uh, it looks like they're going up. And if they can fix that, uh, the point deficit that they do seem to concede a bit, then I think there's some definitely some promising signs there for next year. Yeah, I was quite annoyed with Adelaide. You know, one win, maybe it's a fluke. You know, they discredit my hot take this year. Then two wins, you know, maybe maybe there is something about them. And now three wins, I think they're just showing off, fellas. I guess uh, we should probably quickly uh, 
paid kudos to Adelaide for what they've been able to do in the back half of the season. They have gotten better. Some of their young players like Scholl, Schoenberg and Himmelberg have been really impressive. Uh, what do you guys reckon? Uh, still obviously a long way off finals or anything like that, but it seems like they've been able to uh, kind of build a brand of footy which will hopefully be sustainable over the next couple of seasons. Yeah, definitely. I think you mentioned Shaw. I think his last month's been really good. I think he have 24 and two goals on the weekend. And and you got like Himmelberg as that potential, that full forward with Fogarty in there as well. There's Definitely there's a spine there that they can build on. And if they're able to hold those players and bring in some more youth as well, I think there's definitely some good signs there. I guess something we should quickly touch on before leaving this segment is a few player retirements. Uh, Bryce Gibbs announced his retirement during the week. Uh, he played his final game against his old side, Carlton, which was uh, pretty feeding and even got chaired off by Mark Murphy and Cade Simpson, which uh, some people had an issue with, but I thought was a great moment for him. And, of course, uh, Simpson announced his retirement today, almost 350 games, a great servant to the Carlton Footy Club. But... I guess turning to you, Hayden, what do you think about Eddie Betts? A lot of question marks over whether he'll go on this season. Uh, do you reckon he should get another year at the Blues? I, th- I think so. I think he's. a lot of people seem to focus on the age, but if you look at his influence on games this year, like he's been pretty immense, and for fans especially and for the team, I think he's sort of, um, a re- sort of a major inspiration for the team and like I think looking back this year when they secured the win against Geelong just looking at his passage of play when he kicked the ball out from 50 from the 50 in the defense ran it forward laid a tackle and then he kicked it forward and ran forward himself to receive the mark in the 50 I think he's a pretty inspirational player so yeah I'd love for him to play on because I think he's great for the game and to wrap up this segment we'll quickly have a look at Brisbane uh they did what they needed to do they beat the Suns quite comfortably they were challenged by the Suns but put the foot to the pedal in the last quarter and even though they have some injury issues they've locked up a spot in the top two so they're guaranteed at least two home finals at the Gabba I think what do you make of them heading into September they've kind of gone under the radar a bit but they'll be a top two team with uh, most of the games being played in their home state and of course the grand final uh, do you reckon that they have a chance to make a serious run this year even with some injuries to key players yeah I think even with the injuries they do have and I think obviously Harris Andrews is a massive one but with the finals that they they will have that qualifying final at home and with the grand final being at the Gabba, I think they've they've got a massive chance, a massive opportunity to make this final series their own and they are able to fix up their goal kicking on the weekend, which is something they've struggled with all year and I think there's good signs heading into the finals and yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they have in the qualifying final and um, I think I think they're a good chance in the final series. Yeah, I just want to th- I say I don't think... Um... Brisbane will win without Andrews. I think he's too pivotal to their um their team. I think he's probably, you know, their most crucial player, but whether he returns or not, it doesn't seem too likely. Well, I think they said that the earliest would probably be a preliminary final, so they have a bit of work to get there, but I guess at least luckily for him and the club, they put themselves in the best position to get there. And uh, just some news on the Swans to finish off. Uh, uh, it's been reported that Tom Papley won't seek a trade this year. He, of course, tried to get the, to the Blues last season. Uh, Hayden, this must be pretty good news for the Swans, a young team, and uh, getting a player to stay at their club who wanted to head home back to Victoria last season. Yeah, he's pretty good. I love um, he's sort of just, you know, he's a young player coming up and he's he's sort of 
become the cornerstone really for their success with his goal kicking and he sort of has like a great spirit about him getting around teammates and all that sort of thing everything you want in a good teammate so if you're a Sydney support I think you'd be pretty happy to keep him yeah I definitely reckon you're right there uh, thank you for all your thoughts on the games from the last two rounds it looks like we're finally headed for reasonably normal uh, structure footy to round out the season and going into the finals but before we round out this segment we had the return of the suspense killer of course the headline grabbing uh, most talked about and listened to segment on this show and I think much like the Crows who were in need of a win uh, we need a win with this segment in terms of making a correct prediction so I know this might be a bit of a controversial uh, statement because they have been the form team in September. They've won all their games so far. They're the September specialists, but I don't reckon the Adelaide Crows will make the grand final this year. They've won all their games in September, but I just can't see them making it. And I reckon, kind of like in 2017, their month will be ended with a thrashing to the Tigers. Considering they've they've won all their games in September, it's a pretty brave call, but... I can see it coming off. Three in a row, are you sure? Oh, I, I reckon <laughs> like, if they make it four in a row, I reckon their chance to make the finals. I mean, they'll probably need 10 teams to be busted by Asada above them, kind of circuited in 2013 to get in there. But they have proven to be the September specialists. We just have to hope for Crows fans' sake that they've gotten over their propensity of getting smashed by the Tigers at the end of September. That's a pretty controversial call, but I guess we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Adelaide have been known for disappointments and upsets this year, so maybe we'll see. Well, I think after uh, playing it a bit safe so far, we had to go a bit out there just to kind of keep the viewers coming in. But that's all for our refuse from last round. We're going to take a quick break and look at what should be a bumper final round of the season with some final spots still up for grabs. Daniels now in the pocket. What's he got to square up to? Nothing. It's going to keep bending. It's going to keep bending. Unbelievable. Welcome back to the show, everyone. You just heard some audio of uh, Brett Daniels' incredible goal on the weekend. We talked about it earlier. It was almost one of the match winners for GWS. He kicked three goals against Melbourne, but he couldn't get them over the line then, but he might need to this weekend as we look at probably the most crucial and talked about match this round, GWS versus the Saints. Uh, both teams need to win to shore up their finals chances. Uh, GWS, simply put, it's a non-negotiable. They have to win. While the Saints, they can still probably get in on percentage, but they'd like to have some security over their spot and head into September with some momentum. So I uh, turn to you, Finn. Uh, do you reckon the Giants can turn it around? Uh, we talked about it earlier, but probably the Saints lacking some A-graders, and we know the Giants just kind of have a list of uh, star and elite players for fun, but... They haven't been performing, but do you reckon they can overcome the Saints? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do at the selection table. I think whether Canigula comes back in or whether they do drop some of their underperforming stars for such a big game. Um, I think St Kilda's midfield, I think they recently just said today that Zach Jones will be out, so that's a pretty big out for them. And Jack Steele is going to have to have a pretty big game, and I think he'll have to have a lot of help from the likes of Ross and Hill on the outside. Um, I think, and the ruck battle as well will be really interesting. Uh, I think it could be one in there. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it, the ruck battle will be pretty interesting. I think uh, Big Mummy 
I don't know. The issue he's had this season is not being able to sort of not having the endurance to go game to game. Maybe with this longer break of six days might help him. But in the um, in the game against Melbourne, he gave away some pretty crucial free kicks that resulted in goals or scoring opportunities. So I would probably back the Saints. I think um, Ryder and Marshall have been pretty well tag teaming it together. So I, I would probably say that Saints would win win that battle. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And we even saw last year in the grand final, Mummy against Soldo and Nan Kerbis, who I probably have a touch below Ryder and Marshall, but he was just kind of out of it even before the first bounce uh, went. So I reckon that's definitely in an area the Saints will have some ascendancy. Do you reckon they'll be able to find their some consistency with their form? They've been in most games this season, but kind of some inaccuracy in front of goal has cost them. Finn, do you reckon the Saints will be able to take a scalp heading into finals? Yeah, I think it'll be a close game, but I think I'll probably just go the Saints. Yeah, look, I think Giants are a bit, obviously a bit inconsistent at the moment, and it is a must win for both sides, and even if the Giants win, they need a lot to go their way with other teams losing, so I would pick St Kilda as well. Well, I kind of have a bit of like an alternative motive for tipping this, but I'll go against you guys and tip the Giants. Uh, one thing they have been decent at over the years that's been lacking this season is winning crunch games. And I'm probably not as big of a fan of St Kilda as some uh, other people. So I reckon the Giants will be able to respond, even if it will be all for naught uh, in regards to the finals race. But we turn attention to another big game. Uh, both of these teams have their spots iced in the top eight, but it's just a question of where they'll finish. Port Adelaide need to beat Collingwood to secure the minor premiership, while Collingwood, uh, they need to win to try and avoid a trip over to Optus Stadium. Uh, As we've mentioned, Port have top two locked up, and you can question what's the real difference between first and second. Uh, Hayden, do you reckon they might kind of rest some players? We already know that Tom Clory is going to miss with a hamstring issue, or do you reckon they'll go all guns blazers to finish out the season uh, with some consistency and strong form. Yeah, I've been thinking on that one a fair bit, whether they'll sort of want to go all out, um, because I think both teams would probably like to have strong form leading into the finals. And Ken Hinckley said in a press conference that, you know, made this very clear, he wanted to win the final two games. So I wouldn't be surprised if Port Adelaide do come come out guns firing um, and whether Collingwood will respond, because, I mean, obviously I'd like to not have to verse West Coast in Optus. I'd, I'd rather someone else do it, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's the way I see it. I think one thing that will be really intriguing about this game is the midfield battle up. Two teams with really strong uh, midfield cores are the hard nuts of Wines and Adams, two really good contested players, and then the veterans in Travis Boak and Scott Pendlebury, who I think we should make special mention of. Uh, with this game, he'll become the highest games record holder which is a pretty big achievement Finn yeah definitely he's had such a good career and we've seen how consistent he's been since he really came into that Collingwood team and always reliable and able able to play a variety of different roles and hit the scoreboard as well and yeah I think you mentioned that midfield battle I think arguably Port Adelaide have the best midfield in the comp at the moment I think you look at Wines and Rockcliffe's last month have been unreal and Bokes this year he's definitely could be a smoky for the Brownlow so I think it could be one in there um, I'll probably just back Port for this one though yeah I do love Scott Pendlebury I think he's been a great great figure for the game do you think how do you look at the the Ruckman battle Hamish as Grundy's been a bit down on form this year and comparing him going up against Lysette and Latham. 
Uh, I think it could be a really interesting battle because uh, Grundy's played every game this season. I, I don't think he'd be carrying a major injury, otherwise he wouldn't be playing, but he probably has some knocks. And we saw during the 2018 final series that that man Scott Lye said in tandem with Nathan Fardy, of course, he's got uh, Peter Laddams this time. They were able to kind of negate Grundy's influence with that two-man ruck strategy. So I think with Grundy being a bit down on form, uh, they could be able to stifle him in the ruck. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as one Collingwood supporter who I heard on SEN this morning saying that they should uh, trade Grundy to Adelaide for the first uh, their first pick number one pick. I <laughs> don't think it's that bad, especially since he's just signed a seven-year deal. But kind of got to tip with my heart here. So I reckon the Pies will get over the line, if nothing else, for the motivation of uh, not having to travel over to WA and going to quarantine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pick Port Adelaide. I think they've been too reliable. Um, but on the bright side, that does mean that uh, Collingwood will win, doesn't it? I reckon one game will probably all be agreed upon. is a game kicking off uh, the final round, North versus West Coast. Uh, West Coast probably just want to bank a win and some percentage heading into finals, while North Melbourne, they're just kind of trying to... Uh, they just want the season 10. So, Finn, I don't know about you, but I'm probably tipping a pretty comfortable win for the Eagles, even with some injured players out. Yeah, I'll, I'll tip the Eagles as well. I think they'll just be hoping to get through the game injury-free and to use it as a bit of momentum going into finals and potentially a percentage booster as well. Yeah, I think West Coast will appreciate the extra training session leading into finals. So, yeah, I'll be taking them as well. Uh, and this is the game where we might need to help Hayden out with our tipping Essendon versus Melbourne. Of course, Essendon out of the finals race now, while Melbourne, uh, they still have a lot to play for Hayden. And I know you can never trust the Ds, but you'd think with everything on the line and Essendon's recent form, they should get the job done. Yeah, you'd want to hope so. Um, it's an interesting position. So Melbourne's sitting in ninth at the moment. So they have to win this one and they need either the Saints um, to lose to GWS or the Bulldogs to Fremantle. But in the case of the Bulldogs, they need to lose enough or gain enough percentage to sort of overtake them. So they're not exactly secured a position even if they win. Um, but I think they'd obviously like to come out pretty strong and get some get a nice percentage boost. So, I mean, I'd like to think they'll... Uh, come out guns blazing so yeah I'll, I'll take Melbourne yeah I'd have to agree with you there and as you mentioned uh percentage is really important and you think if they're a finals team they should also win reasonably well to try and lock up a final spot but Finn uh, do you reckon the D's will be able to get over the line yeah I think the D's will I think they've got everything to play for and in terms of getting that percentage they've come up against a pretty good team at the moment so I think it, but the the Dons might they'll come out wanting to get a win for Worsfold in his last game there, and they've got something to play for. But I think the D's will be too strong. Well, moving on to Adelaide versus Richmond, a game with not too many finals ramifications. I think the Tigers have pretty much locked up their spot in the top four. And even though we have been impressed with Adelaide over the last three weeks, you'd think Richmond, just the form team of the competition, should get the job done pretty easily, Hayden. Yeah, it'd make for an interesting top four if Adelaide do win, because that'd push Richmond out, which would be um, pretty pretty unexpected, to say the least. Um, and so Richmond, I think, would definitely want, want to secure a win to secure a top four um, position. So, 
to not lose it to uh, Geelong or West Coast. So I'll, I'll take Richmond um, for obvious reasons. I think they're the premiership favourites. And even though it's at Adelaide Oval, I don't think the Crows are that strong. Yeah, I think although the Crows have been playing quite well in the last three weeks and they are the September specialists, um, I think Richmond will be too strong, uh, the premiership favourites. And I think if they can uh, lock up that top four spot, then they'll be pretty good in September. And another game between a top team and a team out of finals contention in Brisbane versus Carlton. Uh, you reckon Brisbane, even though they've secured a top two berth, so a guaranteed home qualifying final, uh, you reckon they should get the job done against Brisbane and... Uh, uh, get it done pretty easily, Finn. Yeah, I think so. The Blues have talked about the fade-outs they can have, and I think the Lions will just be using this as a game that they can win, and they've got that top two spot locked up and looking to get some momentum into that qualifying final. So, yeah, I'll back the Lions. It'd be interesting, too, if um, if Collingwood do manage to upset and beating um, Port Adelaide and Brisbane do win, they would actually win the minor premiership. But I think um, they'd be happy with a top two finish. And I think Carlton, as you were saying earlier, Finn, they've been a bit disappointing in the second half of the year, not capitalising on games they should have won. But, I mean, it is being played at the Gabba, so you've got to back Brisbane. Uh, Game, both of these teams out of finals contention, Hawks against the Suns. uh, It's been built as the day cut between uh, Sam Day and Will Day, uh, both cousins of a famous footy family. And... I'm sorry, Finn, I think the Suns will probably get over the line just being in the better form recently and are probably due for a win with some of uh, the efforts they put in over the last few weeks. Yeah, I could definitely see why you'd back the Suns in this one. They have been looking pretty good lately and they've got a lot of good youngsters running around on that field. So I think I'll, I think I'll stick with my heart, though. I think I'll go Hawthorne with farewelling a few legends and I think they'll want to get the win for, for their last games. Yeah, I think that would make for a pretty great send-off securing that win. Um, I do think they might try to sort of protect um, some of their players from further injuries, possibly. It wouldn't surprise me, considering Clarkson's trying to rebuild. And, you know, I, I do think that Hawthorne have been pretty unreliable. and They've only won four games after beating Richmond and Brisbane early in the year, which feels like a lifetime ago. Um, but I think, yeah, the Suns' young talent will push them over. Yeah, and uh, moving on, kind of in a similar theme to top team against the team, uh, out of finals contention in Sydney versus Geelong. Uh, have been really impressed with the young Swans' efforts and form this year. Haven't banked a lot of wins, but been competitive in a lot of games. But Geelong, especially after losing to Richmond, you reckon they just want to get back on the winner's list thing? Yeah, I think you mentioned the Sydney youngsters. I think definitely in the second half of the year, they've, they've shown a lot and um, they've managed to get a few wins against good teams. So I think they'll show a bit on the weekend, but I think the Cats will be looking to rebound and um, try to hunt for that top four spot. So I think I'll back the Cats. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Geelong get a blowout after losing to Richmond like they did. I think it's just Richmond's play style make them look worse than they are. So yeah, I think Geelong will get the job done though. It'll be interesting to see how Sydney's defence plays out because they've been doing pretty well. Yeah, especially with no Dane Rampey, Tom Hawkins could be in for a big day, but... The final game we're looking at, and one with some very big finals implications, Fremantle versus the Bulldogs. Of course, the Dockers out of finals contention, but being one of the most impressive teams this season, and you wouldn't put it past them to upset the Bulldogs, even though they're playing for a final spot, Hayden. Yeah, I think, as you say, Fremantle have been flying under the radar this year, and they've been consistent in keeping teams accountable, so... I think this is an interesting one. Like, I think the result really could go either way. Um, in the Bulldogs' case, they do have more to fight for to secure that top eight. Um, 
but I think I would probably go the Bulldogs. Yeah, I think it could be a really interesting game. I was tossing up who I'd pick from this one for a while, and the Dogs, they've got all to play for, but Freo have been impressive, um, and you can never really trust the Dogs this season, but I think yeah, the way they played on the weekend, I think they'll just be too good for Fremantle. Uh, well, I'm actually going the other way. I'm going to tip Fremantle. I've been pretty impressed with their form, and... I alluded to the fact that all the games I've tipped against you guys was with an ulterior motive because if one of those results comes off, it means Collingwood won't have to go to WA. Uh, up the stadium is kind of like politics to me. I don't know a lot about it and I don't want to go there. It's uh, not a big fan of having to play the Eagles again there, especially after how they did us in. And that's all our tips uh, for the last round of the season. It'll be interesting to see how it shapes out. But before we finish off the podcast, we have our panel question. Uh, we ask it to each other each week, and we encourage you, the audience, to engage in our social media links. And the question this week is your favourite forgotten or underrated win uh, from the club you support. Uh, there's, of course, a lot of famous ones. Uh, you look at the premierships from Hawthorne and Collingwood for probably Finn and I and some of Melbourne's finals wins in 2018 for Hayden. But I'll start with you, Finn, uh, with a lot of uh, noteworthy wins to pick from. Uh, what's kind of a forgotten gem from uh, Hawthorne's uh, long list of victories over your time supporting them? Yeah, definitely been a lot of those big premiership wins and crucial final wins that are... Uh probably have dominated the Hawthorne history definitely in the last while but the one I chose was the um, 2007 elimination final against Adelaide um, which I don't I don't really remember that well but uh, I, I have uh, looked at the highlights of the game a few times and it came in a season when I think Hawthorne just snuck into the finals and I had I got a lot of good young players coming through that they just drafted I think Buddy kicked his seventh um, to win it from 50 on the boundary in the last minute of the game and I think Adelaide had led all day, the three-quarter lead, three-goal lead heading into the last quarter. The Hawks' first game, first finals game since 2001, and pretty much kicked off the golden era from 2008 to pretty recently. So uh, yeah, that was a game I really liked. I guess for me, and it kind of ties in with the Hawks a bit because in 2008, everybody remembers uh, Geelong's great season undone by being upset by Hawthorne in that grand final, but. What a lot of people forget is the only team to beat them during the home and away season was Collingwood, and they actually managed to smash them by 80-odd points. Collingwood only just snuck into the finals that year, so it was a pretty surprising win. But the reason it probably stands out to me was I actually went to that game in attendance. Our family was having a holiday up in Melbourne, but Dad and I headed over a day earlier just because we wanted to see Collingwood play a we were kind of expecting a bit of a slaughter considering we're going up against the Cats who were unbeaten and kind of unrivaled that season. But it was pretty special not only getting to see the Pies win, but win in such a dominant fashion against uh, probably the form team of the competition that year. Well, you were pretty close with um, your guess on what mine would be. It's not quite the 2018 finals. It was round 22 of that year. Um, I was contemplating whether I wanted to go with the Queen's birthday from 2017, but I think that was a bit, not quite underrated, so, um, but my one, yeah, it came from round 22, and that was when um, we didn't have Jesse Hogan, who had been a huge campaigner, kicking 47 that year before getting injured, and I was re-watching the highlights before, and um, it's just funny to see when the ball's bouncing around between the two teams, how the West Coast fans would quickly go from booing the Melbourne players to cheering as the West Coast players got it, and... Um, you know, it was one of those games where Melbourne had a rapid start getting a 
quick lead and then West Coast just sort of just drew it back and that basically summed up the game where Melbourne had to constantly withstand everything that was being thrown at them and it was just sort of really nice to see that sort of solid play especially after you know 12 years seeing no finals it was looking looking on the horizon and um, you know they drew back the margin closer and closer with each resurgence in all the quarters and I still think about Dean Kent's goal where he kicked it from 50 metres out to secure the victory and the booze now sort of, it's music to my ears watching that. And um, But yeah, getting that win pushed us back into the eight and secured a finals position in, for the first time in 12 years. And it was sort of a massive statement to all the criticism that we were getting from the mentality of our players for the big game. So made our finals prospects look really hopeful. We, you know, we took out Hawthorne and Geelong um, and then I had high hopes for refacing West Coast again and then we didn't score a goal to the second half so we don't really talk about that. Well I think the message from this podcast is we don't like Optus Stadium that much on no offence to all those people <laughs> in WA there's just a lot of painful memories for a lot of us there but I uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts and feel free to uh, share your thoughts as the listeners are down in our social media links but that's all for the podcast this week. Uh, Credit to Kevin McLeod for the song District 4. It's the intro and outro song to this podcast. You can find a link in the description. And to Channel 7 and Fox Footy for the commentary audio provided. Uh, it's the final round. It's been a pretty tough run with uh, some condensed games of footy. But uh, fingers crossed for you, Hayden, that your Ds can hopefully make the finals this year. Yeah, for once I wouldn't be upset if I lost some tips with either the Bulldogs or Saints going down because I realised I've just tipped for both of them. So... <laughs> Letting them lose and let Melbourne slide in. And how about you, Finn? Yeah, I'm hoping for a few good games uh, coming down to the last day, hopefully. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who makes the eight.